Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show, here to break down the offensive line class for the 2019 NFL Draft. And it is April 15th, which means it's tax day, which also means both of your co-hosts of this podcast are now in their 30s. Kyle, happy birthday, sir. Wow. Just railroaded me right off the get here, huh? Thank you very much. Um, I got the only gift that I wanted, which was Game of Thrones returned last night. Now, Joe, I think this is important for me to disclose right away. Okay. I'm learning our lessons from the first two episodes of this series. I'm not going off on a three-minute tangent at the beginning of the show, okay? Because I know this is time-sensitive material. Uh, all I will say is I was, I was thrilled to have Game of Thrones back. Pretty solid first episode. Jon Snow got on the back of a dragon and flew, so that was really cool. That's been my best birthday gift so far, although it's 8.28 a.m. on Monday morning. So I heard, still the, produ- I heard the production was bad. Somebody was saying production. that it, was like, it looked like never-ending story in the middle or something. Uh, yeah, John Fly, the they were pretty limited as far as how realistic they could make it look with two dragons flying with two people riding on the back. Oh. So. Game of Thrones. I, I, Didn't expect I, it to I, be B-less, you know? It, it's television, you know? And they're, they're not HBR. <laughs> they're, not, they're not Hollywood box office for a reason. They're home box office. Kyle, are we going to talk about a future Miami Dolphin today here on this, their first uh, we'll round probably, pick? We'll, we'll probably talk about several. But <laughs> I'm actually pumped. They, they have Juwan Taylor in for a visit today, so fingers oh, crossed. Hey, nice pick there at 13. Uh, you want to do offensive tackles first? Yeah, let's do offensive tackles first. You want to make the birthday boy go first? It's up to you. We'll let you have your choice there. Happy birthday to me. I'm going to go first. All right. So this is my offensive tackle five. If you guys missed the first couple uh, in the series, reminder, we're reading from five to one our top fives, and then we are listing our full list of positional rankings and then saying a player that we have a day three grade on that we would pound the table for. So my fifth offensive tackle – Well, took me several watches through Andre Dillard to really appreciate his skill set and feel like uh, you could get excited about what he can be right away. Obviously, the athleticism is very apparent with him. Uh, The foot speed is very good. A lot of pass protection volume at Washington State. Uh, But I was pretty apprehensive about his hands at first. And the more I watched, the more I kind of came down off that ledge and I do have a second-round grade on Andre Dillard. He's my 40th overall player in this year's draft class. And 
can certainly understand why a team would target him higher than that uh, because his movement skills are very rare and he has requisite size. This isn't a guy that's just cutting through right at 300 pounds. He's got some weight on his frame too, but he's still a really smooth mover. And it was pretty resistant to this when this first card started coming through the draft cycle, uh, Joe, but uh, two or three watches through I'm on board. Andre Diller is a really solid prospect. I don't think he's a, a, a sure fire prospect, but I think he's a really solid prospect with some elite tools at his disposal. My OT five is Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Um, he, I mean, he's an interesting player. Like he gives you this blend of size, mobility, power. Uh, that's really exciting over there at right tackle. Um, I think he, you know, some people want to peg him as a, as a guard. I, I let him fail at tackle and I don't, I don't not necessarily sure he will fail at tackle. You'll just keep him out there at right tackle. He'll be perfectly fine on that really good Oklahoma Sooners unit uh, for the past couple of years. Uh, a couple things that push him down just a touch for me is uh, I think he's a little bit late and wide with his hands, has that low hair, hand carriage, which elongates his punch and he, it, you know, doesn't make it super challenging for offensive ta- or defend- defenders to get into his chest. And then I just feel like his body control is a little bit lacking. I wish he had a little bit more control of his frame. But uh, other than that, man, I think he's he's a type of guy that can be a long-term starter, you know, uh, has been really productive for Oklahoma in, you know, in terms of a multifaceted player. And I think that he'll be a really quality pro. You know, the one thing that I value more than ever is is that that functional power, that strength, that you get that in Cody Ford and you get the mobility with him as well. So OT5, Cody Ford. OT4 here, Cody Ford. I got a first-round grade on Cody Ford, Joe. I really, really like it. Uh, I like his ability to set the tone up front, the physicality that he brings. Uh, you talked about kind of the inside-outside dynamic there. I'm in the same school of thought as you. I want to see him get the opportunity to play outside. And then if he struggles, okay, then, you know, you, your worst-case scenario, you've got a backup plan. You know, we, we had kind of talked about that with Josh Allen from Kentucky in past podcasts and how it, there's some risk with – trying him at a certain spot with Allen, it's on the edge as a pass rusher, Cody Ford, it's an offensive tackle, but you have that fallback plan. And I think that increases the value of the player, knowing that you have another outlet. It's not like if he doesn't work here, he's not going to work anywhere and you've wasted your pick. So I think Cody Ford's versatility, and there's some several guys in this group that we're going to be talking about that have that versatility. I think it really helps their stock. My OT4, Andre Dillard, Washington State. You've talked about him already. Uh, obviously, the big appeal there is the pass blocking upside with his foot speed and his length and how smooth he is redirecting his weight. And, you know, everyone look is looking for that blindside protector, a guy that's going to be able to match up with those speedy edge rushers that the NFL features. And Dillard, you got a guy that gives you a chance to do that. You know, not going to be a guy that's uh, that we know what he can do in terms of firing off the ball and, and winning in the run game because he's really not been asked to do that. But obviously, a ton of pass blocking reps over the last four years at Washington State, and um, you know, I, I'm interested to see how he does in some deeper sets. And you know, you, you asking him to mirror for longer periods of time at the next level than compared to what he's been able to do at Washington, and as well as the quality of edge rusher. I mean. 
what was the best edge rusher he faced in at the you know the last the last season justin hollins you know like I mean, you know, a, a mid-round type edge rusher prospect so you know he's going to be tested in ways he never has before but you like the physical skill set to be a, a really quality uh, pass blocker at the next level okay joe sorry i moved my head i'm in the living room again uh, <laughs> offensive tackle three for me is jonah williams I never thought I'd say it before, uh, like January. You know, like we're we get through the season, and Jonah Williams has been a consensus top player, and he's still very, very good. He's a top, I think, top fifteen player for me. Uh, but Jonah Williams, there are some concerns here with the arm length. It's been well established. He's uh, thirty three and five eighths, I believe, is the arm length for Jonah Williams, and it passes the threshold. So that's why I'm not going to write him off and kick him inside right away. Some teams will prefer and probably have him slotted as an interior offensive lineman right out the gate. And that's, you know, that's, that's team preference. I can't control that. What I can control, Jonah Williams is pretty technically sound. I like his ability to frame his blocks in both the run game and in pass protection. He'll get outreached by longer arm guys, but generally speaking, he's got a really, really strong, solid anchor. And uh, the reason he's OT3 is because I think the other two guys have trump cards at their disposal that allow them to play a little bit more physical brand of football, where Jonah Williams, as tenacious as he is, as technically refined as he is, uh, he's not the mauler that some of these other guys are. So Jonah Williams, OT3 for me. My OT3 is Dalton Risner from Kansas State. Have a first-round grade on him. Could not imagine a scenario where Dalton Risner is not a quality offensive lineman at the next level. Um, a ton of experience across four seasons. Has played center guard and tackle. And that's kind of what I love about him is that a lot of times we talk about these offensive lines and teams that are going to invest in offensive lines. And four out of the five spots are set. Well, what Dalton Risner allows you is – that flexibility to plug him in pretty much anywhere. Um, very, very physical player has a finisher's mentality. Um, mobile. Uh, I think he, you know, we, we doubted him a little bit at offensive tackle earlier in the season, but um, he proved that he's perfectly fine at right tackle. He's got the length. He's got the mobility. Um, thought he had a really good senior bowl as well. So I think this is a guy that's really about as plug and plug and play as they come. And, uh, you know, I, I think he'll he'll be a fixture for a while and, and including in the, you know, right away. I think he has a chance to get on the field right away. Dalton Risner, OT3. The disrespect, Joe, I will not tolerate it. Dalton Risner is OT2. I think I like him at right, right tackle. Uh, he was a player coming into the pre-draft process. Wasn't sure I was going to like him this much at offensive tackle. But that senior bowl, Joe, that senior bowl sold me real hard. Because he came in there and he dominated everybody. He slapped dudes around, just imposed his will on all comers at the Senior Bowl. And you rewatch his tape, and his size is apparent. You know, he's, he's got plenty of length. He's got a great anchor. And he's tenacious. That, that mean, nasty style of play that he has, I just got done referencing it as a divider between him and Jonah Williams, two guys that I valued pretty pretty similarly as far as their overall value as football players. Reisner's got that demeanor that just pops off the screen. He can play center. He can play guard. He can play tackle. Again, versatility. It's the key with a lot of these top names here on my group. 
And uh, the fact that Reisner had so much success at right tackle when there is some speculation about his movement skills, uh, he'll need to continue to be really crisp with his angles on his pass sets and getting out of his stance. But I saw him elongate and steepen enough pass rush angles to feel comfortable with Reisner as a right tackle in the NFL. And again, worst case scenario, you kick him inside, he'll be perfectly fine. Every single play, Dalton Reisner readjusts his pads. You notice that on tape? Yeah, yeah he, he gets done and he <laughs> grabs the breastplate in the center and pulls him down. Every it's single play. Every single play, yes. <laughs> I'd be so annoyed. All right. Uh, my OT2, you've already talked about him, Jonah Williams from Alabama. Um, man, I really like everything about him. Like, in terms of, I just think he's so good across the board, except for the fact that he does get outreached. And it's not that his arms aren't long enough, it's that guys get into his chest and it it works his anchor a bit, man. He'll, he'll, he'll collapse a little. And uh, I think. It's it's a matter of learning to be a little bit more effective with his punch and vary his strikes a little bit, so that way you know he's making defenders guess as much as they're making him guess, you know. And so uh, just it's more strike variance. If we can get that tightened up, I think he's so good across the board that he'll be you know a long term answer. He's a guy that has played right and left tackle, which is good, and he's he's performed both uh, bo- well on both sides of the line. And I, I mean, there's no reason to not think he can't play guard and be just fine um but um you know if he can get that strike variance down i think he's going to be a really good offensive tackle and he's got that football character that i think teams are going to love listen to his press conference uh when he announced his decision to leave alabama and just talking about everybody in the organization and how much he appreciated what they did for him and then at the combine you can just tell he's buttoned up dude and just loves to prep prep, prepare and loves to study game and he that type of stuff's going to really impress coaches and, and stuff like that. I think it's going to matter. I think he's going to go pretty high, but you know, we'll see if he can survive out there on an Island. I, I'm optimistic that he can because the rest of his game is footwork. Um, you know, just how well he frames, how well he controls his body, all that stuff. So good. Just don't get outreached so much, man. You'll be fine. So OT two Jonah Williams. All right. That leaves OT one. Yeah. And it sounds like we both got the same guy. There's no other answer. Is there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Jawan Taylor from Florida. Uh, physical specimen checks every single box you would want an offensive tackle to check going into the next level. Uh, an asset in the screen game and the ground game and outside run. And he's also got power components and there's just so much to like. And he came so far in just one year under Dan Mullen. And I think the fact that that progression was so sudden with a new coaching staff versus Jim McElwain, that's why the arrow is pointing so hard up for Jawan Taylor. And uh, I don't think that should be taken for granted because to some degree, it feels like he's just scratching the surface of how good he can be. And he's got a really impressive background story as a kid that lost 50 pounds uh, the summer before his senior year of high school just by stopping eating junk food. And, um, he's, he's not a small dude now, you know, the dude lost 50 pounds and he's like 320 something pounds, but he can move natural athlete, very long arms. He's got all the requisite athleticism you could desire. Uh, thought he got a lot better in his past sets this past year. 
Uh, he will have his pads up a little high, but he's so damn strong that I, I really don't think it matters at all, Jill. All right, my OT1, Juwan Taylor, obviously. We watched his film together basically over the the course of two days, right? It was it was that Friday after we had been on the road for two weeks, right? The Friday before the Senior Bowl game, and we had been on the road, you know, in Tampa for the Shrine Week, and then it was the end of Senior Bowl week. I'm falling asleep in this coffee shop trying to find some energy, and and I, you just I think you just drink C4 all the time, so you're you always have plenty of juice and. We were like, all right, let's get a player done and pop it on Jawan Taylor tape. And it was a boost of energy because he is so sound. Uh, just love his across the board skill set, size, power, mobility. I think he's the best offensive lineman in this class. Um, look, I, I think he can get even better, too. He's got some technical work to do with his hands that'll make him more effective. But uh, he faced a murderer's row of pass rushers there at Florida. I mean, literally all these guys were talking about in the, in the first round. He's faced them. And uh, I love that he's battle-tested, man. I think he's ready to help a team right away. So, Jawan Taylor, very easily for me, OT1. Joseph, I have breaking news before we read through our lists. All right, let's hope this is real breaking news. What do you got? My Game of Thrones meme from last night just went over 1,000 likes on Twitter. Your Game of Thrones meme, okay. Yeah, I'm just uh, – I like when they go viral, that's all. Is that – is that? Uh, I'm, go, I'm on your Twitter feed. Oh, it's like a – the nobody brand Stark tweet. Yeah, I don't know what it means. So I'm happy for you, though, man. <laughs> Thanks, <Really>. man. <laughs> All right, let me read through my offensive tackle list and and bring you guys a day three guy that I would pound the table. Okay, so top five: Juwan Taylor, Dalton Reisner, Jonah Williams, Cody Ford. Those are first round grades. Andre Dillard, Yadin Kajus. Those are second round grades. Seven: David Edwards. Eight: Bobby Evans. Nine: Danelle Green from Minnesota. 10, Max Sharping, 11, Greg Little, Isaiah Prince is 12, Ryan Bates is 13, Chuma Adoga is 14, Calvin Anderson is 15, Caleb McGarry is 16, Ali Udo is 17, Mitch Hyatt is 18, Dennis Daly is 19, Titus Howard is 20, Tyler Romer is 21, Martez Ivy is 22, Ethan Greenidge is 23, William Sweet is 24. I liked Max Sharping tape more than I thought I would, Joe. He's... uh. He's interesting. He's not necessarily a guy that's that's going to physically dominate you, and he doesn't have elite physical tools. But he did a nice job against Brian Burns this past year, and uh, I I thought he showed enough in every aspect of the game that I feel like that could be a guy I could target and convert into a starter, whether he ends up being a starter at guard or tackle. He did good against Brian Burns. <laughs> Which is kind of surprising. Um, all right, you ready for my my rankings? Yes. All right. uh, I'm actually real, real quick. Yeah. I'm pissed. I gave a third to Danelle Green because I would have pounded the table for. I like Danelle Green as well. Um, yeah, he's fun, man. He's top ten in this board for me. Uh, number one, Juwan Taylor. Number two, jo- Jonah Williams. Three, Dalton Risner. Four, Andre Dillard. Five, Cody Ford. Um, the Dalton Risner uh, top three are first round grades for me. Yanni Kajust, number six from West Virginia. Number seven, Bobby Evans, offensive tackle from Oklahoma. So he was he's a third-round grade. Dillard, Ford, and Kajust are second-round grades. Now, the, the rest of these are day three. Caleb McGarry from Washington, eight. Nine, Paul Adams, Missouri. Ten, Denel Green, Minnesota. Eleven, Max Sharping, Northern Illinois. Twelve, Dennis Daly, South Carolina. Thirteen, Titus Howard, Alabama State. People like him, man. They're saying, like, top 50 for him. That's crazy. 
14 Chuma Doga USC, 15 Greg Little Mississippi, 16 Tyler Romer San Diego State, 17 Isaiah Prince Ohio State, 18 Ola Udo Elon, 19 David Edwards Wisconsin, 20 Ryan Bates Penn State. Ooh, I think I think Ryan David Edwards. Yeah, he's a little, <laughs> little rough. Uh, Bates I think's gonna have to play center. Mitch Hyatt offense tackle Clemson at 21. He'll probably have to play inside. And then these last four, these guys are not draftable. 22, Yash Nijman from Virginia Tech. 23, Tyree St. Louis from Miami. 24, Martez Evi, Florida. 25, Ryan Pope from San Diego State. Uh, guy I'm going to pound the table for. Uh, Bobby Evans is my guy that if he had a day three grade, I would pound the table for him. But he's a third round grade for me. I'm going to go with Paul Adams from Missouri. Was really pleased when I got to his tape. Um, Three-year starter for Missouri. Has played uh, right tackle for them. Um, like his power, man. This is a guy that holds his own in the in the run game. Really does a good job of finding leverage points and moving bodies with his hands. Um, has enough mobility to win in pass pro. Has some work to do with his set points and being a little bit more consistent framing blocks. Uh, but he, he is really, really polished with his hands, and, and he plays under control, and he's got play strength. And to me, that's a really nice foundation of, of skill sets to improve upon. So if I'm looking for an offensive tackle, thinking about one on day three, I'm going to snatch up Paul Adams early and, and be really happy about it. So from Missouri, I don't, I don't know if you did him. Did you? I did not do yeah. him, no. Yeah, what is that's a shame. It's a shame. Listen, 300 slots, man. <laughs> Got to cut somewhere. Yeah, I cut All I right. cut a few guys here and there too, but I was glad I did Paul right. Adams. We're 20 minutes in, and we're through offensive tackles. Yeah, let's roll through you the think, interior offensive uh, line. I was say, you, think, you think we could do this in 15 minutes? Yeah, let's do it. Want me to go first? 35. That's been the magic number. Yeah, you got to right. go first. Interior offensive line number five, Elgton Jenkins from Mississippi State. Um, I think DJ said the other day he's going to go between picks 20 and 40. So there, Wow. Yeah. Uh, I like him. I think he can get a starter here at uh, at center or guard. Uh, he's played like a million spots, right, for this team. Uh, played right and left tackle, and then he switched to center in 2017 and became really good for two years there. Uh, he's powerful. He's intelligent. Controls his body well. Um, hands got to get cleaned up a little bit. I think it's teachable though. Uh, he'll he'll expose his frame quite a bit, and then he'll force himself to work overtime to reset. Uh, but Starter upside here, I, I'd probably take him middle of day two somewhere there. But, uh, you know, he's a really smart player, and that's that's something you're looking for in a center, and, and he gives you a lot of power. So I uh, like his like his ability to be an eventual starter. Not sure he's a plug-and-play guy, but there's a nice skill set to work with. Okay. Interior offensive lineman five, Joe, the correct answer is Nate Davis, mm. who played offensive tackle for Charlotte. Wow, you bumped him up that high. And I never bumped him up that high. He's just. I like Nate Davis. He's he's seventh for me, but I like the boldness here. He's got a third round grade. Oh, wow. And he's in a a bunch of guys that include Ben Powers, Drew Simeon, Alex Bars, his third round grade guys. And he just happened to test out as the best one of the ones with his complimentary metrics. Kind of broke the tie. So he's top of the list. There's only four guys in front of him Nate Davis. Nate Davis played offensive tackle at Charlotte. If you look for him to play tackle, you're going to be disappointed. I think he's pretty sloppy in his set points and his in pass protection. Uh, body's not really fully in sync when he's isolated out in space and he has to move backwards. But you get him in combo blocks, you get him climbing to the second level, you get him pulling outside, kind of being that lead blocker on perimeter runs. That's where he shines. 
And I think you can mitigate a lot of his issues in pass protection by playing him inside. Watch the Tennessee game, Joe. I know you have already because you told me that was the game to watch. Um, If you have not seen Nate Davis or you're not familiar with Nate Davis, watch the Tennessee game and he physically dominates every single volunteer that's lined up across from him on the line of scrimmage. Really impressive stuff. I think his ceiling's very, very high. Again, he's, he's converting from tackle to guard at the next level. There is a jump in level of competition that needs to be accounted for. But with that said, I really like the, the foundation that we have to work with here with Nate Davis. My number four is Michael Dieter from Wisconsin. Uh, check out this breakdown of where he started. Um, oh, I clicked off my tab here. All right, so well, 54 games started, 24 at left guard, 16 at center, 14 at left tackle. I mean, he's played everywhere. Every, every spot. I think his best fit comes on the guard at, at the next level. Um, he's got plenty of play strength and mobility. His lack of length doesn't really make him a fit outside at tackle, and he's got good guard tape. Um, Big 10 Offensive Lineman of the Year in 2018, which makes sense. If you watch his tape, he's really solid. Um, can, comes from that pro-style system, very technically refined, has all the makings of, of an early starter at the next level. Um, you know, I feel like we don't talk about him enough in this group, but, I mean, I think he's a top 50 pick all day long and a guy that you could plug right in at one of your your left or right guard spot, and you're going to get a starter and a high-quality one for a long time. So don't sleep on Michael Dieter just because he's a Wisconsin offensive lineman and we're used to him being really good for 50-plus games. He's, he's going to make an NFL offensive line really good too. Joe is preaching the gospel on IOL for Michael Dieter. I'm right there in line with you. I got an early two on him. He's a top uh, – Top 40 player on my personal big board. I think you can play him in zone. I think you can play him in gap power. Uh, the the only real limitation that he has is if you're going to play him at tackle, which I don't want him there at all, uh, he does not have length. But you play him at guard, you let him play in a phone booth, you protect him on the outside so that he's, he doesn't have to reach and really extend those angles on his own. He's, he's going to be a really good starter for somebody. You're going to be offended by my my IOL three because I think he's pretty. Yeah, I think he's your number one. Uh, I love Chris Lindstrom. I just he's third for me. I like these a couple other guys a little better. Um, man, this this uh, Boston College rushing attack's been really good for the last four years, and you can you can give a lot of praise and credit to Chris Lindstrom for that. He's really effective in in the run game in terms of moving bodies at the line of scrimmage, but his ability to get out in space and pin and pull and longer poles outside the tackles like he's so effective and uh he's played some tackle and that that same tackle pass blocking skill set shows up on the interior Uh, he's a guy that i literally you know we put best trait and worst trait on every single scouting report i i put none for worst trait i just think he's so good across the board like he does there's there's no restrictions with him right like i'm not being like what do you we got weak there's just not that many restrictions with him at all i i feel he's so solid across the board and he's mobile. So I, I think you scheme transcend it. And I mean, it, I keep saying plug and play, man, but he's going to be a, a really good starter right away. Plug and play starter that's scheme transcendent and no weaknesses. Sounds like IOL one to me, but uh, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> Let's talk about Garrett Bradbury, Joe, since we have these guys flipped on each other's rankings, I feel like mm-hmm. uh, Garrett Bradbury for me, uh, Early second round grade on Bradbury. 
Uh, I f- expect him to be a, a late first round pick, potentially in the late teens, so anywhere in the back half. And I'm fine with that. You know, it's there's a difference between value and how many picks that there are. We get into this every year. You get this into this with year. your followers every, every single week. <laughs> I don't get what's so hard, guys. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what's so hard about? E- there's 32 picks, so you're going to have 32 first-round grades, but that doesn't mean in a perfect world and in a vacuum, every single one of those players, you would ideally like to pick in that spot. <laughs> Bradbury, for me, is ideally, you would love to pick him 33 to 45. I think he's a, a, a zone-specific starting offensive center that can be a weapon in outside zone because he has unbelievable range. But if you put a big ass guy in front of his face, you can get him bubbled back into the point of attack, whether that's outside zone or in pass protection, if he's isolated one-on-ones. So he's got leverage on his side, but his anchor is just not naturally strong. And that was a, a tiebreaker for me between him and the two guys that I have in front of him, Chris Lindstrom and Eric McCoy. So I like Eric Bradbury a ton. In a perfect world, he's an early two. But you've only got X amount of first-round grades, and it won't equal the number of first-round picks that there are. So hence, now your early twos fill in the rest of those spots for guys that you would be perfectly fine with seeing a team take in the first round. Man, I think Bradbury's going to make Pro Bowls, brother. Um all right, uh, my IOL two is Eric McCoy from Texas A and M, first round grade, thirty eight game starter for the Aggies, um, and I think the last two years we're at center. Uh, functional strengths there, mobility is there. I think he can play zone and gap blocking. Um, powerful dude. I mean, I, I feel like people have said this, and I hate that I'm going to say this because it pisses me off a little bit. People say, oh, I think if anybody held their own against Quinn and Williams, it was this player. And then there's been like so many names put in. But I'll tell you, I think if there's anybody that held their own the best against Quinn and Williams, it was Eric McCoy. And uh, man, he was awesome at the Senior Bowl. And I remember there was some some buzz around him entering the event. And I wasn't really familiar with him. And when, when we got eyes on him in person, we're like, wow, this guy's really good. And then you go back to the tape and you're like, wow, this guy's really good. And he plays center, which is an increasingly valuable position at the next level. So uh, love that blend of strength and, and mobility and how well he's performed against top competition. seems like he was like a late riser. Like there wasn't like a ton of buzz for, around him throughout the right. course of the season. But Senior when people got to the tape, they're like, this is undeniably a good player. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. Eric McCoy, first round grade on Eric McCoy. He's uh, my 19th rated player in this year's class, my IOL too. Uh, the reason why I like him relative to Brad Barry is because I think McCoy can play center. He's got that little bit of a more, more firm anchor. He's probably 90% of the lateral range that you can get from Garrett Bradbury. So you do have a downgrade in that capacity, but I just think he's a little bit more of an overall well-rounded skill set. But uh, you, you're having a hard time go wrong with any of these top four guys as far as I'm concerned. Any good players. Um, my IOL1, Garrett Bradbury. Um, man, how, how many times can I talk, to, talk about him on this podcast? I mean, I love his range. love his lateral mobility. Converted tight end. So, I mean, he's only been playing the position since like 2016. That, and you just get excited about just how much more upward momentum there is in terms of what he can become uh, given his relative newness to the position. Uh, have been, I think I did six NC state games over the last two years. So I've kind of seen firsthand, you know, his habits and how much, 
uh, character he has and how well he interacts with with teammates. And I, I just love him. I feel like he's going to – I mean, he had a great senior bowl as well. So uh, I, I mean, his zone blocking scheme, get this guy, prosper. IOL1, Garrett Bradbury. IOL1 is actually Chris Lindstrom, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> Joe said it. The guy's got no weaknesses as a football player, so that I think that really says it all. Joe, we might get it done in 35, brother. Let's read through these lists. Um, all right. Is, am I up first for that today? Yes. Hold on. Uh, your worst trait on Chris Lindstrom, length and extension. Oh, wow. Just going after. Function, func- functional length because he, he measured in with 34 yeah, plus, which I did not Yeah, he did. He, but in, he's better when he's – tight quarters with you versus when his hands are extended. I don't think he plays with the same strength when his hands are out away from his frame. All right. Am I up? I'm doing the, the, the gauntlet here of, uh, yeah, you got to do the gauntlet. All right. Make sure I got my list up here. All right. Number one, Garrett Bradbury, two, Eric McCoy, three, Chris Lindstrom, four, Michael Dieter, five, Elkton Jenkins, number six, Drew Samia, Oklahoma, Seven, Nate Davis, Charlotte. Eight, Lamont Gallard, Georgia. Nine, Alex Bars, Notre Dame. Wish that guy wasn't hurt because his tape's good. Eleven, Connor yep. McGovern from Penn State. Michael Jordan, Ohio State. That kind of feels weird saying at 11. Number 12, Hijalte Froholt from Arkansas. 13, Phil Haynes from Wake Forest. 14, Ben Powers, Oklahoma. 15, Bo Ben Schwazel, Wisconsin. 16, Javon Patterson, Mississippi. 17, Rosh Pierce-Barker. Eight, uh, Alabama. 18 is Tyler Jones from NC State. 19, Deion Calhoun, Mississippi State. These guys are undraftable, these last three. 20, Nate Herbig, Stanford. And 21, Tyrone Prescott. Did you see his pro day numbers? No. Oh, my producer is going to pull those up for us while you – oh, wait, wait. I got them right here. Okay, uh, Tyrone Prescott's – Wow, Joe, Joe had him bookmarked, here folks. Don't you ready for this crap? This <laughs> yeah. is bad. 40, 6 4, 330 pounds, 40 yard dash, 5 6 8, 10 yard split, 199, 19 oh. reps, 25 vert, 7 10 broad jump. Here's the, here's the, the, the agilities are just unbelievable. 20 yard shuttle, 5 1 2, 3 cone. Haven't seen one this bad in my life, 8 5 3. What? <laughs> How did this guy play in an outside zone offense? <laughs> How do you play outside zone when you're literally just concrete <laughs> blocks for Dude, feet? So we, I was at my brother's yesterday for dinner, and we, he was he was showing me these numbers actually, and I I was like, all right, that's it. I'm we're setting up a three cone. He has hardwood floors in his like his downstairs. We set up a three cone drill. We both did it in barefoot on hardwood floors with no warm up, with condensed quarters. Like like we had like a foot to turn on one side because of a wall, and then another foot to turn because of like kids' toys. So there wasn't space available. We both did it in less than eight five three. Now I didn't beat Jalen Ferguson. I'll tell. I'll, I'll put that out there. I did not beat Jalen Ferguson on the hardwood floor with no warm up and no space. My brother did though. Well, I'm. I'm glad that you have had some warm up for what is to come next week. I don't know if my flight is my flight getting time. Am I going to be able to do that? I don't know. We'll see. We're doing it Thursday morning. Okay. Blessed. We have to get (laughs) blessed. All right. So my list, Chris Lindstrom, Eric McCoy, Grant Bradbury, Michael Dieter, Nate, Nate Davis. Those are my top five. Ben Powers, six. Drew Samia, seven. Alex Bars, eight. Connor McGovern, nine. Tyler Jones, 10. Elkin Jenkins, 11. You know, those last three I have fourth-round grades on. I think they're good football players. 
uh, relative to positional value. Ross Piercebacher is 12. Ajalte Froholt is 13. Lamont Guyard is 14. Bo Benchweisel, 15. Bunchy Stalling, 16. Frederick Johnson from Florida is 17. Michael Jordan, Ohio State is 18. Nate Herbig is 19. Zach Bailey from South Carolina is 20. Joshua Miles, 21. Uh, Vitra Krinquinitz. Mm. Fake name. That. You made, know, that's you made him up. Who is this? Young South State center, another agent assessment, <laughs> is 22. Tyrone Prescott is 23, and Garrett Brumfeld is 24. Oh, Garrett Brumfeld lower than Tyrone Prescott. Yes. I didn't do him. They're, they're both I watched. I watched enough I'll LSU live this year with, with the thought that Brumfield was supposed to be a prospect. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, he's not. Yeah, I, I dismissed him quick. And then he's like, if you're a senior at like a school like LSU and you've started for a couple seasons and we don't see you at the Shrine or Senior Bowl, pretty – yeah, it's a problem. It's a pretty telling. It's a problem. Uh, real quick, give me the elevator pitch. Uh, give me before. Lamont Gallard from uh, Georgia. Everybody I've ever spoke to about Georgia finds ways to talk about how much they love Lamont Gallard. Every single teammate at the Senior Bowl was pounding, or the, at the combine was pounding the table for this guy. He's powerful. He's mobile. He's got some technical stuff to clean up, but there's something about him that I mean, you, I just never heard so many players talk so highly about another football player. So. Give me Lamont Gallard as my day three guy. I will also pound the table for Gallard. So uh, I have a five on him, but I think he could be a scheme-specific starter at the next level. And like you said, there's some some technical stuff to clean up, but he's got the requisite kind of short area mobility to be a really good center in the pros uh, in the right kind of system. So, Joe, we teased it. Next week, next week, our draft show is live at STK. In Nashville, Tennessee, if you guys are going to the draft, make sure you come by and see us. We're live all three days. And the draft show this year is going to be presented by our friends at Under Armour, promoting their new Rush line, which we're really excited about. It's their new line of athletic wear. They've put in some science. I'm, I'm not, I haven't gotten my, uh, my certification to talk about the merits of it yet, Joe, but there's science behind this athletic wear. And uh, we're going to try this athletic wear out <laughs> One of the things that we're planning on doing is going to one of the local facilities the morning before the first night of the draft and wearing Under Armour Rush, and we are going to do the Draft Network Combine. And I'm ecstatic for it. I can't wait. And knowing that you went out in bare feet on hardwood and just out three cones from for Scott <laughs> what, has me what, a, what, a, what an accomplishment. <laughs> I'm inspired. I cannot yeah. wait to see the full result. I want to beat at least one drafted player in every test. That's my goal. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be fun, man. Thankful to Under Armour. Thankful to STK. It's going to be a fun show on Twitter. You can watch it um, at Draft Network LLC. So make sure you're following the account. And uh, go ahead. I I do need to put the disclaimer in. If you are going to watch Avengers, I blame you. I question your judgment. But it will. The draft show will also be on YouTube. So if you get home late from watching Avengers, like Thursday night, you can watch the draft show on YouTube as well. So there's there's going to be multiple outlets. If you miss it live, we've got you covered. But just watch it live. It's so much easier that way. Yes, for sure. Kyle Krabs at grinding the tape, signing off with at the Joe Marino. Thanks as always. Hit us with your hot takes for takes on takes or turn in your tattle takes with the hashtag tattle takes 
Uh, get after us on Twitter, tomorrow's takes on takes. Thanks as always for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.